this is Chandler Jones, and thank you so much for joining us for this week's podcast. The heart of this podcast is to provide you with inspired preaching and teaching from God's Word that will help you boldly live for Jesus. If you haven't already, I would love for you to subscribe today to this podcast so you won't miss the latest messages. Let's go right into the service recorded at Compassion Church Radford. I believe it will be a blessing to you today. Amen. Give the Lord a great hand. His wounds paid our ransom today. Thank you, Jesus, for the power of the blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. But it's an amazing thing, Lord, because of your blood, that we can be cleansed and washed and sanctified and justified. That's why John the Baptist would say, Behold, the Lamb of God takes away the sins of the world. Father, we can worship you out of a heart that's been changed by your blood. Scripture says, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And Father, today we say so because we're redeemed. And it became and it came from a a great price that was paid for our freedom. So Lord, today out of that heart of thanks, we just bless your name. Would you do that? Just take a moment and bless the Lord. The Bible says, bless the Lord, all my soul and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. We bless you, Father. We just pray in the name of Jesus. We need the anointing. We need the Holy Spirit. We welcome the Holy Spirit into this church. This is your house, God. And we open the door and we say, come on in to this place. Father, we pray that you would change us into the image of your Son. We give you praise, honor, and glory, for we ask this now in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen, amen. Give the Lord one more great hand. And then greet your neighbor beside of you before you sit down. It's good to be in his house today. And don't sit down because we're going to read from the Bible. 1 Corinthians 15.33. 1 Corinthians 15.33. Matt, that is in the New Testament. Where is your Bible? (laughs) Amen. It's on the screen. That's a good answer. 1 Corinthians 15.33. Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. You can be seated. Everybody that's coming online, thank you for joining. Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. The King James Version says evil associations instead of evil company. I love this verse, the Christian English Version. It says, do not fool yourselves. Bad friends will destroy you. Somebody say amen if you believe that today. When we hear passages like that, that evil friends will destroy us, I don't know if you do this, but it's easy for our first response to say, you know what, that's everybody else's friends, that's not my friends. And we like to justify and we, like to, we want God to make exceptions for our situation, but the Bible says let every man be a liar and let God, he'll never tell, he'll never tell a lie. Let every man be a liar. God always tells the truth. The reality is, as much as people refuse to believe it, 
the company that we keep, the things that we watch, the things that we listen and listen to have an impact and an influence on our choices. And this morning, I want to speak to you a few minutes about being under the influence. And I know I don't get nervous. I'm not talking about your alcohol today. I'm going to talk about being under an influence. Influence, according to Webster, is the capacity to have an effect on the character, development, or behavior of someone or something, or the effect itself. Influence is a powerful force. To think that someone's influence can change the way we think, change the way we live, change our decisions, that is, a, that is an incredible thing. In 2023 today, if you want to get rich quick, be an influencer. You see people today on social media, you give them a camera, you give them a keyboard, you give them a platform, and we're seeing people today reach uh, people that they never would have reached before because we live in an influential age. You see people that will be on YouTube, you see people on Instagram, you see all that, and I'm not knocking that, but here's the thing. Are we influencing people for the gospel of Jesus Christ? Are we trying to build our little kingdoms? But right now, people can generate, it's incredible to me, people can generate thousands, if not millions of dollars, some people even billions of dollars just because of social media influence. It's exploding today, this age of influence. John Maxwell, he's known for his leadership principles. And Maxwell talks about laws of leadership. If you've ever read any of his books, he talks about influence. He says leadership summarized in one word is influence. Leadership is influence and influence is leadership. Did you know that everyone in this sanctuary today possesses something powerful? What is it? It's influence. Maybe it's not on a scale like a social media influencer, but we all carry a measure of influence. We have the capacity to influence people's thinking, their lives, their behaviors, how they make choices. You and I have the power to do that, and I hope we're using it for good and not for evil. God knew that, and that's why he spoke about influence a lot through his word. From the beginning, you go all the way back to Genesis. If you know how the enemy, uh, in the form of a serpent, tempted Eve to disobey um, uh, God from eating the forbidden fruit, how did Satan get Eve to eat the forbidden, forbidden fruit? He influenced her. How did Eve get Adam to eat the forbidden fruit? She influenced him. And they knew, they knew what God had said, but there was influence involved. There was influence. God asked Eve, why did you eat? And she said it was because of the serpent. And then we know the famous response. Adam said, I ate because my wife that you gave me, Lord, told me to. He went to the doghouse. Amen for that. But we see the power, listen to this, we see the power of another person's influence and how their influence can directly affect our decision-making. And I want to slow down right here. If you don't get anything out of this message, get this. What I'm about to say is a startling truth. At this point, Satan, the serpent, 
had more influence on Eve than God did or his word. And at this moment, Eve had more influence on her husband than God did or his word. So don't tell me for a second that your influence on another person's life doesn't matter because it does. And we see that over and over directly from Scripture. And I pray right now, Holy Spirit, would you open people's eyes to see the power of their influence. In Proverbs 23 and sorry, 22 and 24, this is what the Bible says. Make no friendship with an angry man and with a furious man. Do not go. Why? Because you'll learn his ways and set a snare for your soul. What is God saying? When you are around furious, hot-tempered, angry people, what can happen is they can influence you to do what they're doing with their anger. And what happens is it can become a snare. What's a snare? A snare is a trap. Their influence can set a trap for your soul. What else does the Bible say? What other influences does God say to be on guard against? You may not like it, but this is the Word of God. Proverbs 13 and 20. He who walks with wise men, a wise person's influence on another person can cause them to be wise, but the companion of fools, many will be destroyed. Nobody wants to talk about fools in their life, but the influence of a fool in your life can turn you into a fool. Say amen if you agree with that today. The influence of fools can destroy your life. Foolish people only live in the present with no future, no vision for the future. Foolish people never think about how their decisions affect other people. Foolish people never think that their choices have consequences. And all of us in here, there is nobody left out. We've all made foolish choices, have we not? Can we put our pride down today and say, thank you, God, for your mercy and your grace because of my foolish decisions. I'm thankful for that. But there comes a time in our life where we cannot be foolish with our lives. Paul even said this, when I became a man, I put away childish things. I heard a great preacher say, sometimes we don't need deliverance from stupidity. We need discipline from stupidity. And if you're making stupid choices, look around at the stupid people that are all around you. And you say, he's being mean today. Stupid is in your Bible. Stupid is in your Bible. You may have to, out, if you, to get out of your decision making that you're doing, sometimes you've got to excuse yourself from stupid influence. You have to do that. You cannot soar like an eagle when you surround yourself with turkeys. You need people in your life that will lift you up, people that will encourage you, people that will say, I believe that God has a plan in your life and this isn't it. You need to come after the Lord with all that you have. You need those people in your life. You need people, the Bible says, as iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friends. You need some people in your life that are sharp for the Lord. They're not dull as a butter knife, but that will sharpen you. What am I saying? Get around the right people and it'll change your destiny. It'll change where you go and where you don't go in life. But if you hang out in wrong circles, don't be mad when you don't get to the place God has for you because it'll happen. 
it'll happen. Get around people that'll sharpen you and not dull you. Another strong influence, and nobody will want to hear about this one either. That's okay. I've already made you mad. I'm going to keep going. Another strong influence that got a lot of people in trouble in the Bible was keeping company with sexually immoral people. It'll be crickets in here, but that's all right. Sexually immoral and perverted people. Get away from people that have gutter minds. Get away from people that only talk, they can't see a woman go by and not make a stupid remark. Get get away from those people. They're not going to change your character. They're not going to make you a person of integrity. You are who you hang out with. But sexually immoral people, Samson, I'll tell you this, Samson could not stay away from harlots. The Bible says He had an incredible call of God on his life. He looked down at Gaza and he went to Gaza. Why did he go to Gaza? There were harlots there. He knew he could get a pick-me-up. He knew he could make a connection. He knew he could find somebody. You don't need to find somebody all the time. You don't need that all the time. Be alone sometimes for a season in your life. Let God develop you. Let God build you. Let God put the person that he wants in your life. Come on! Get away from sexually immoral people. It'll destroy you. And it can take you to hell. Fornicators, idolaters, adulterers have no place in the kingdom of God. That's in your Bible. He couldn't stay away from not only just the harlots, but think about Delilah. Playing cat and mouse games all the time. God's got more for you. If you got to be play cat and mouse and in and out and playing games, I'm thankful God sent me my wife. I'm so thankful for that. But he couldn't stay away from Delilah over and over. The Bible says she pestered him daily. She wore him down. If you got people in your life, especially in the area of relationships, if they are wearing you down and never building you up, there's your first sign. If they're pulling you away from God rather than pushing you towards God, that's your second sign. And if you want to continue to yoke up with unbelievers, don't cry when you don't feel the Holy Ghost in his house. You cannot be yoked together with unbelievers. It will pull you back. It'll pull you down. It'll keep you from what God has for you. I'm going to preach how I want to today. In 2023, Samson, you think about if Samson were a real person in 2023, Samson would be found at the bar. He would be looking for a date. He would be looking for a one-nighter. He would do that on Saturday, but on Sunday morning, he would be trying to lead God's people. But what happened is, instead of defeating the Philistines, the Philistines defeated him because of influence. Your influence matters. This next one, it breaks my heart, has to do with young people. If you're a young person today, listen to this. 2 Samuel 13 and 3. I'm going to paraphrase for a minute. Amnon had a friend whose name was Jonadab. Who are your friends? Jonadab was a very crafty man. Crafty people are subtle people. They're dishonest. They're deceitful. They're always hiding. They They do stuff in secret. Guess who else did that? Satan did that. Amnon loved this girl by the name of Tamar, and he was head over heels for this girl. He loved her. He wanted to be with her so bad. He was actually, the Bible says he was sick. He wouldn't even eat. He loved her so much. He had it bad. Look at your neighbor and say, he had it bad. You ever known somebody had it bad? 
Amnon, he had a friend named Jonadab, and this is what Jonadab told him. He said, I got a plan for you and how you can get Tamar. I got a plan. He said, pretend to be sick, lay in your bed, and send out messengers to say, hey, I need Tamar to make me some food. When she comes in, you lay in your bed, you pretend, I'm paraphrasing, you pretend to be sick, lie there, have them come in. When she comes in, tell all the hired servants and guards to leave your chamber. Have them lock, and lock the door. You know where this is going. You say, I don't like reading the Bible because it's boring. You need to read your Bible because there's some good stuff. If you started, oh man, if you started reading your Bible, you wouldn't have to listen and watch the trash on Netflix. He says, and when Tamar comes in, send everybody out and ask her to lie with you. Jonadab was feeding Amnon with evil schemes, and it worked. Jonadab's influence had such an effect on Amnon that once Tamar entered the room with that food that she prepared for him while he was sick, this is what the Bible said. He forwarded, and he said, lie with me, and she said, I cannot do that. I'm par- You've got to read all that, but this is what ends up happening. He, being stronger than her, for- forced her to lay with him. He had a buddy. His buddy said, you can have her and you can do whatever you want with her. Who can tell you no? And the Bible says faithful are the wounds of a friend. Sometimes you need some faithful friends in your life that will wound you and say, you may not like this and this may not be pleasant, but this is not good for you. You need those people in your life. But Amnon had a buddy who influenced him to rape Tamar. And this is, this is my heart as a pastor. We have a lot of young people. We have teenagers. And it isn't just them, but you're at this age in adolescence. I've been there. I know this. And I'm not perfect. But I can remember what it was like to want to be included. I can remember how it was a terrible feeling to feel left out. And so what do you do? You, you try to impress people. You try to uh, get the attention of people, that peer pressure of wanting to be included. And some of the saddest stories that I hear from people that are now addicted to sex and addicted to drugs and addicted to alcohol, it could be any destructive lifestyle, is that the origination of that addiction began because a friend gave an invitation and said, try it. Try it. Try it. And Satan is in the other ear saying, it won't hurt. You can try it. You'll be fine. It'll be fine. Just try it. Just try it. Just try it. Just one drink. Just one hit. Just one vape. Just one cigarette. And they don't tell you about the road that it can lead you down. There's a way that seems right unto man. But it leads to destruction. 1 Thessalonians 4 and 3, it says, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality. When you are born again, bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, the Bible says this, your body's not your own. Your eyes are not your own. Your ears are not your own. Your hands are not your own. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. 
And you say, what's the big deal with sexual immorality? What's the big deal about this perverse generation we live in? What's the big deal about that? This is the big deal. When you sin against your body, you're sinning against the place where the Spirit of God lives. And it impacts you. Sexual sin is a spider web. It will entangle your heart, your mind, your emotions. It will bind you up. And it doesn't just affect young teenagers or young adults or unspiritual people. I'll show you. Solomon had, to, had divine wisdom from God, wrote books of the Bible, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, super successful, but put him around foreign women and he lost his mind. And that influence of ungodly women, foreign women, Egyptian women, you read it, destroyed his testimony. First, First Kings 11, this was a command, not a suggestion. You shall not intermarry with them, nor they with you. Let me tell you right now, if you are a Christian today, do not marry an unbeliever. Don't do it. Don't do it. Well, I think I can save them. Don't do it. And don't ask me for premarital counseling. Don't intermarry with them. Because it says, surely they will turn your hearts away after their gods. Solomon clung to these in love, for it was so that when Solomon was old, he was not a young man here. He didn't grow out of this. These were not youthful lusts. This was a bondage on his life. It says that wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not loyal to his God, as was the heart of his father, David. Did you catch that ending verse? Solomon's heart was not loyal to God as the heart of his father, David. David David's influence, David's struggle with sin. You remember Bathsheba. It impacted Solomon. Listen to me. We don't talk about generational curses all the time, but we should. Because what you don't get victory over through the blood of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit, what you don't overcome, guess what? It comes on your children. And one of the things that has kept me, it's kept me in my marriage, kept me, me and Megan, we made a decision. I can remember things like this, and this may not matter to you. This may not be a big thing to you, and that's all right. But we made a decision while we were married. We will not drink alcohol because we don't want our children to drink alcohol. We will not look at pornography because we don't want our children to look at pornography. We won't do things. We won't watch certain things that have nudity in. Why? Because we don't want that on our children. You say, I can handle it. Your kids may not. Your kids may not. A parent's influence on a child is probably the greatest influence that one can have on a person. And I've heard this so many times, and I'm ready to call the devil a liar. People will say, it just runs in my family. It, my daddy was an alcoholic. 
My granddaddy was an alcoholic. Drugs just run in my family. Meth just runs in my family. Smoking runs in my family. Divorce just runs in my family. Lying, cheating, and stealing, they just run in our family. But let me tell you some good news today. God says, I can break every single generational curse off of your life, and it never comes on your children. We serve a God that can do that. And you know what happens when you get born again? You get a new family. Your old family, your earthly family, does not have the power of the new blood that is in your life, in your veins, that comes from Jesus Christ. Listen to me today, because some of you have been saying, I can't get free from this because dad and mom, dad and mom, who the sun sets free is free indeed. And you can be free. I believe that today. It can be broken in your life. You need to get born again into a new family, a new nature. The things that ran in your family have no power over you. You got a new bloodline. You got a new bloodline. You've got power in your bloodline. You've got resurrection power in your bloodline. They overcame them by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Part of the gospel, we just, we just cut off. The gospel is two parts. Yes, you're forgiven for your sins. But the other part of the gospel is this. You can be free from sin. It's two-sided. The blood of Jesus can break generational everything. I believe that. I want to take you to one more verse. This is, I'm going to read this. It's going to be a lot, but I'm, a, I'm almost done. Mark 6 and 16. You've got to go there and see this. This is incredible. Mark 6 and 16 through 29. The Bible says, but Herod, when Herod heard, he said, this is John whom I beheaded. He has been raised from the dead. Jesus doing all these miracles, preaching. They thought John the Baptist had come back to life. That's what he's talking about. For Herod, the Bible says, For Herod himself sent and laid hold of John, bound him in prison for the sake of Herodias. Don't miss that. For the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. For he had married her because John had said to Herod, It's not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. Then Herodias held it against John the Baptist and wanted to kill him. But she could not. Don't forget that. She couldn't do it. For Herod feared John. This is awesome. Herod feared John, knowing that he was a just and holy man, and he protected him. And when he heard him, he did many things, and he heard him gladly. Love to hear him preach. Then verse 21. Then an opportune day came when Herod, on his birthday, gave a feast for his nobles, his high officers, the chief men of Galilee. And when Herodias' daughter herself came in and danced and pleased Herod and those who sat with him and, and, and said this to the king. This is what Herod said. Ask me whatever you want, and I will give it to you. So he swore to her, whatever you ask me, I'll give it, to, give it to you up to half the kingdom. So she went out and said to her mother, what shall I ask? And she said, I want the head of John the Baptist. Immediately she came in with haste to the king and asked, saying, I want, I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist 
on a platter. And the king was exceedingly sorry, yet because of his oaths and because of the things, because of those that sat around him, he did not want to refuse her. Then immediately the king sent an executioner and commanded his head to be brought. And he went and beheaded him in prison and brought his head on a platter, gave to the girl, and the girl gave it to her mother. When his disciples heard it, they came away, took away his corpse, laid it in a tomb. What happened? What happened? Influence. Influence. King Herod was Herodias' husband. The Bible says Herod was an evil king. We know that, but he feared John. He knew John was a holy man. He knew he was a just man. He knew God was on him. The Bible says this. He wasn't a changed man. I don't know if God ever got saved. The Bible doesn't say. But the Bible says that Herod loved to listen to John the Baptist preach. He heard him gladly. He loved to hear John the Baptist minister. But this is the thing. Herodias' daughter comes out, does a provocative dance, so stimulates Herod. She influenced him. And she got his influence, and he wished her up to half of the kingdom. And then this is what happened. Herodias' daughter was influenced by her mother and said, kill him. Give me his head. There's a spiritual truth here that I do not want you to miss for a second. Listen to me. Depending upon the people around your life, they can silence the spiritual truths of God in your life, just the people around you. If you get around, because here, listen to me. You can be a person that says, I love the Lord, I love His Word, I love church, I love the things of God, I want to be around the things of God. But if you get around people that hate the Lord, scorn and mock and say, they're just a bunch of fanatics and that's just weird, and you get around those people and guess what can happen? Eventually what can happen is they silence the voice of God in your life. And they can do that very quickly, very, very quickly. Who are your influencers? Who's speaking in your ear today? Who's in your circle? You say, well, this doesn't quite make sense to me because, yes, we're to go into the world and preach the gospel and we're to win those that are lost. Yes, but we are to minister to them. We are to witness to them. The Bible says, do not keep company. Evil company corrupts good, corrupts good behavior. And before you know it, what can happen is they can silence that voice in your life. The Holy Spirit's voice even. And people, listen to me right now, people's influence in your life can be stronger than God's. We saw that in Genesis. Who is influencing you? Listen, who are you influencing? If you're a parent today, you have great influence over your children. Great influence. You say, well, they're adults and they don't listen to me anymore. You begin to pray for them like you've never prayed before. And you begin to, God, the Holy Spirit will orchestrate moments where you can put the word in. And you just be faithful to do that. Plant those seeds. Your voice carries influence in their life. But if you have children, the Bible says, bring them up in the way that they should go. Influence them for the right thing. Who is influencing you? Who are you influencing? 
Listen to this. This would be a total shame that we would stand before God one day and the thousands of people, maybe even millions of people that you did life with, you never influence them to eternity. Never. It would be an app. You talk about failure. Nobody wants to talk about failure. But you think about standing before God and you having all these opportunities, the people God's placed in your life, and you never influence them for Jesus Christ. That's something's wrong. We have teenagers today. They talk about Gen Z a lot. Gen Z wants to change the world. Gen Z wants to influence people. Gen Z wants to change our society. You know how you do that? You do it with Jesus. You do it with Jesus. You get bold and you get courageous and you lead people to the Lord. That's what can change our world today. Is some young people that say, I'm going to catch fire and I want to influence people for the Lord. We see it happening in colleges. Wouldn't it be something if Rafford University could happen? We got any RU students? We got any tech students? And I know this, I'm not, I know what you're up against. But you got some fire, it'll begin to, it'll begin to spread like wildfire. You get a couple people, you start talking, get coffee with them. Break open your Bible, pray for them, invite them to church, and you never know what can happen. All it takes is one. I love that. All it takes is one person to start a movement, and you could be that one. You got influence today, church. How are you using it? How are you using it? Let's pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, we come before you, God, today. And I pray that our church would say, I want Jesus and his word to be the strongest influence in my life. Because all of us are under some influence. Father, you said, you see the day approaching. It's time to get busy. It's time to work. It's time to invite. It's time to preach the gospel. How will they hear in whom they've not believed? How will they hear unless they've been sent? Father, I pray today that we leave today inspired to influence our family and our friends for Jesus Christ. And I pray, Spirit of God, would you open our eyes and our ears to see the things, the people even, that are speaking into us, speaking into our heart. Lord, we love you. If you're here right now, you'd say, I want to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. I want him to be the one that's guiding and directing and speaking into my life. And for too long, I've allowed other people to try to lead God and direct. I've had, listened to the opinions of other people, but today I, I've come to this realization that I need God speaking in my ear. 
today you'd say, I don't know if I were to die where I would spend eternity. Today you've got a golden opportunity to call on the name of the Lord and be saved. And today you say, I'm, I'm tired and I'm done with playing games with God and I am ready to surrender my life to His influence. If that is you, I want you to lift your hands in the sanctuary and I want to pray with you. Is that anybody today? Anybody at all today? Thank you, Jesus. Anybody today? Secondly, during this service, the Lord spoke to you and you know you've got some decisions to make and they're hard. You don't know how you're going to do it. Showing you some people and some things that's influencing you that you need to break away from. If that's you today, I want you to raise your hand. I want to pray for you at this altar. Is that anybody today? Maybe it's a relationship, maybe it's a boyfriend, girlfriend, maybe it's friends, it's a group of friends. Peer pressure, see your hand, Aiden. Anybody else today? say, I want the Lord to be the influencer of my life. Anyone else? Thirdly, you're here. You say, I need prayer. It's an unspoken. It could be family. It could be health. It could be anything. And you say, I need prayer. I want to come to the altar. See those hands. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lastly, but not least, we have communion that's available. Jesus said, remember me taking my body, which was broken for you, my blood that was shed for you. Do this in remembrance of me. If you would, at this time, stand to your feet. Maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you feel the Spirit of God drawing you to an altar. You need to spend some time. I really want to say thank you for joining us this week. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review. It helps this podcast reach more people with the gospel of Jesus.